my guess about infected is do they need to feed to survive or can they just if can they just keep growing and the fungi keep spreading? So I don't believe they need to feed. They're not like zombies that have to eat human flesh. Okay. It's more of a spreading thing. And that's what it seems like. Yeah. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, everyone. The ultimate film and TV podcast. Let's break down and review episode five of The Last of Us, which just premiered last night because the Super Bowl is this Sunday and ain't nobody going to watch anything else on Sunday. <laughs> and this was called Endurance Survive, which is actually a direct quote from the video game. And there were a ton of awesome references to the game narratively and just fun things here and there, Easter eggs that we'll get into in a little bit. But I loved this episode. We got, it started a little slow, but we got what I've been waiting for, bloater, clickers, runners. We got a ton of infected. I've never seen like an ambush like that or kind of just like a horde of zombie type infected beings since seeing World War Z like moving that fast. that w That's what it immediately reminded me of. And I was hoping we'd get sequences similar to that because that's one of my favorite zombie movies in terms of the zombie and infected, how they move and how they hoard together. I was waiting for a sequence like this for the last four episodes, and I was like, I had a feeling, because they showed in the trailer, they showed a shot of the bloater, but they didn't show any clickers or runners in the teaser trailer. They were on the edges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looked like there was maybe a couple. Yeah. But I was like, I was like hoping, I hope they have a ton of clickers and runners. I want there to be just mayhem, because that's, I've been, I've been craving that with the show. You know, it's just been here and there, a couple clickers, a couple runners. We haven't seen clickers since episode two. Since, yeah, since the second one, yeah. So... I've been anticipating a, a huge action sequence, and it finally delivered, and it was fantastic. It was exciting. It was horrifying. They did an excellent job, both the stunt team, the coordinators, as well as the stunt performers really sold that, especially that little girl who, like, did, like, this body contortionist stuff inside of the van after Ellie. That was really fantastic. A mini clicker. Yeah. I, I don't see a mini clicker in the yeah. game. It had, like, a... She had, like, a primal quality to her movements. It was really fantastic. She's been my favorite cl clicker. She's been my infe favorite infected thing so far. What would you name her? Clicky. <laughs> 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 and then it was a heart-wrenching ending, a really horrible conclusion to the storyline for Henry and Sam. And it seems fitting and like kind of like there's no like there's no joy that can last for too long. We saw obviously with uh, in the episode three, you can sustain some kind of happiness, but I think it's they were showcasing that was such a rarity where the vast majority, ninety nine point nine percent of people in this world are gonna not survive, and they're just gonna suffer and filled, be filled with despair for as long as they can survive because it's such a tough, difficult world now. The episode three. I, talk, I brought this up to you just off show recently that it kind of felt like the San Juniper episode in Black Mirror where it's like this little mini oasis away from the world and just like its own thing that it's this perfect little bubble that you can't touch. And that's why that's why I like that episode so much. And it was like kind of it was really fresh to see that in a post-apocalyptic zombie infected world. But this episode was full throttle. I like, again, how we keep seeing things that you can only imagine happening in the game in the terms of the story and narrative of how these cities became how they are because in the game, you're constantly walking through different cities 
and here in this we're in Kansas City and usually they're very abandoned and usually they were run by Fedra at some point but they've kind of been overtaken by hunters who are just patrolling separate areas and have their own little territory in the show they've increased the scope of the hunters to be kind of more of like a, a whole rebe- community like a rebellion yeah. versus hunters and like I said last episode review how they're bringing a lot of empathy and a lot of that to the characters of just being straight up killer hunters like they are in the game. Yeah. And you like how they like how they open with the riot. Yeah, you don't yeah. know what it's like on their side, but I really liked seeing what would happen to a city after it was controlled by this fascist Fedra government for twenty years. What would happen if there was a revolution, there was a rebellion and it was seemed pretty accurate that the same thing that was happening to them, they did to their oppressors. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of V for Vendetta in a way, like if like the what happens after that ending of V for Vendetta. You know that now that the people have taken back power from the fascist government. So I really like that. I thought it was cool how they sh- they opened the episode with the riot of the people taking over, killing all the federal agents in a lot of brutal and horrible and ghastly ways. But you can you can tell that it was just retribution and it was well-deserved because I'm sure every one of those officers killed many innocent people who lived in Kansas City and did even more horrible things to those who were still alive. So I, I liked opening with the riot. It really set the stage for how violent metropolitan cities became and how order, once it's not maintained anymore, how it can break in an instant and over one night the people can take back the control. I think the first 20 minutes they did a terrific job making it feel like, for for me watching it, it felt like what probably it was like when Nazi Germany took over countries like Poland. And you have situations where they come in and then there are people in the local that are ratting people out or, or or just getting people in trouble to save themselves to, like Kathleen points out, these rats who are just ratting people out to get cigarettes or just to get coffee and favors and to survive as well. It felt like kind of like a Nazi presence, presence what that would have been like in a major country as well as, you know, trying to hide out in these cities for as long as you can. It called back watching films like The Pianist, dealing with situations like that of people hiding out from the fascist government taking you I'm over. I'm already emotional. Don't tell me. Don't, and, don't say The Pianist. And um, so <laughs> the character Edelstein, he was not in the game. He was made up. I wonder, Who's Edelstein? Remind me. He was me. the older man that was with okay, Sam Henry in the attic. Okay. I wonder if they added him to maybe kind of allude to this being a metaphor for Nazi Germany's takeover because he's a Jewish man, last name Edelstein, hiding from a fascist government and now hiding from a rebellion. Was that kind of like a little... Uh, a metaphor for Nazi Germany, possibly because that's basically what's happening to this country. Even though it's been overthrown, there's a new government in town. Well, well so my question is, what is what's the storyline, the backstory for Henry and Sam in the video game? Is it the same? So Henry betrayed the other people in the community by giving up the leader of the rebellion, Kathleen's brother, Michael, Michael, in order to get drugs to treat Sam's leukemia. And that's why Kathleen and the others are searching for him so desperately. Few major differences I'll I'll go into right now for Sam Henry, Kathleen, Michael. Michael is made up, so it wasn't Kathleen I talked about that. They've uh-huh. made, been made up for the show to I guess narrative narratively express 
a fa- give a face and a character to the hunters or to the city, the rebellion to the yeah. city. Sam and Henry, the differences in the game is Sam's not deaf in the game and he doesn't have leukemia. Sam and Henry are pretty much just trying to survive. They stumble upon, well, actually, Joel and Ellie stumble upon Sam and Henry in the video game when you're hiding from hunters you just jump into this apartment that sam are and henry are hiding out and they kind of knock you out and threaten you but then like they cool off the same kind of situation but uh-huh. but instead of henry and sam getting the jump on them in the middle of the night it's just a little differently uh-huh. they get the jump on them just because they jump into the apartment for a cover and Got to it. hide out from the hunters so that's that's a little different michael doesn't exist kathleen doesn't exist but I think what they needed to do, which they did effectively, was somehow make Sam and Henry's role in this episode in the narrative essential in terms of connecting them with the plot of the last couple episodes and the plot of Kansas City in general with Kathleen being the second leader of this rebellion. Her brother Michael was the original leader of the rebellion, but like uh, Pierce or Perry says to her, like, your brother was a great man, everybody loved him, but he never changed a thing. You did where we got your back no matter what. So Kathleen's risen up and led everyone to rebellion over Fedra in Kansas City. She's in control of the city. You can imagine that Mike's death is what caught, sparked it. Possibly. She probably, after learning that he was killed, she probably was like, let's fucking take them let's out. Fuck that's, it. That's my guess. And obviously we found out that My- that Michael was ratted out by Henry to Fedra to get medication for Sam's leukemia. That's all made up for this the store of the show. Not the, made up, just told differently. Well, yeah, narratively yeah, yeah. compared to the game. It's yeah. just it's just, you know, that's not in there. Because in the game they're just survivors. Yeah. There's no backstory of any of that. But like I said, it was really essential to make these characters what what's the point of them being in the show? What why are they here narratively? And I think they did a really great job coming up with those storylines and connecting the dots. It seems like they're adding empathy and personalities and characters to what you'd say are the hunters and now they're like it's a rebellion or it's like a whole community. It seems like they're doing it also to display how dominant and terrible of a force Fedra is for the audience. Because you're playing the video game, you're probably reading clues and notes and there's probably all sorts of sprinkles of information about Fedra if I'm guessing correctly. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit here and there. And you the hear cities. people talk about well, it. Well you see it on the posters yeah. and well, what do you mean? So, like, I'm get, I'm saying that it's a way for the audience of the show who hasn't played the game to understand what Fedra is. Yeah, the it, government organization yeah, that so took the, everything so over. We, so we know through Kathleen's backstory that we've gathered from the last two episodes how Fedra takes control. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Each city, and they run it like a fascist government. So they're they're QZs, quarantine yeah, the QZs, zones. Yeah, all the major cities became QZs that Fedra was in control of. It was like the last government entity 
a fascistly run government that okay. controlled everything. Yeah. Oh, so what I'm saying is if, if Joel and Ellie just walked through each city and all we saw were Fedra signs and just like that was it, we wouldn't really know much if, unless like a character said this or that here and there. But uh, having the characters well written, uh, talking about the history and showcasing, so like in this instance, a riot of an overthrowing of the Fedra power, then we're under, we're really understanding what Fedra is as opposed to uh, if it's if it was portrayed like the video game where you're just seeing like built like signs of Fedra or of graffiti or what have you, you're not really being shown what they did. Yeah, and I really was satisfied with why Kathleen was so obsessed with finding Henry. Last episode four, she's like, where's Henry? Who's Henry? I'm looking for Henry. That's her main motivation. She took over the city, and there's a list of things that she's got to take care of, but clearly Henry finding this person, who we find out is this guy, finding him is her number one goal, but why? Why? Then we find out because he betrayed them and gave up her brother, who got killed, to get medication. Probably not the best plan because it ended up biting them all in the ass because the other major problem was the concrete in that facility, the the concrete pavement floor was rumbling with something underneath it. We didn't really know for sure. We guessed that there was a bloater and some stuff down there, but then we learned in this episode that Fedra drove all the clickers runners down into the tunnels of the city into underground. And so they, they've all probably been trying to get out and looking for a weak spot in the earth to escape from. And then rather than dealing with that problem, once the ground caves in, they come pouring out. So she probably went a little too far with retribution and revenge being her priority. Understandably so. Her brother was killed. She wants to find out who who turned him in. But obviously the better call to protect your people is to go after the actual physical threat to everyone. And they're doing a great job establishing what this world's like with different kinds of people because, you know, Henry is a rat. He ratted Michael out, and he calls himself a collaborator in a way that's the to, word, to make himself seem less like a rat. But that's what he is. And even Joel, once he finds out, oh, you're a collaborator. Oh, I don't want to. I don't work with collaborators. You're a rat. I don't work with rats like you. It's really interesting to like get the hierarchy of this. They're new the world. scum of QZs, basically. Yeah. Say because they rat people out for for the betterment of themselves, but no one understands why Henry really did it except for the audience. And Joel and Ellie eventually later on, when we find out that Sam also had leukemia. I like the sequences a lot with Sam in the attic with Henry, and, and then you know just running out of food. And then following Joel and Ellie after they come into that city, hot guns are blazing, and they re- Henry realizes that this is a guy who can handle himself. We can help each other. I know how to get out of the city, but I can't take care of if there's clickers and runners. I, I can't take them out. I need someone like this guy, so we're going to follow him. New plan, really clever to take advantage of that situation to join forces and escape together. Yeah, and the the first action sequence was really great with the sniper inside of the house outside after they got through the tunnels and they were in just that quiet, empty suburban neighborhood. So that's in the game too. Yeah. It's okay, a little excellent. different. Yeah. Can I explain how it's a little or you, you can keep going about something. I would love to explain. No, no, go ahead. So the sniper scene happens in daytime in the video game and screw it they changed it too much daytime <laughs> forget it i need a shot by shot remake <laughs> i was really excited about it because as soon as they went in that neighborhood i was like i know exactly what's <laughs> coming up and then i saw that white house at the end of the street i'm like just wait anthony and then the first shot went off and you're like oh, all right this is getting really cool <laughs> so in the game 
Joel does the same <laughs> thing. Where he goes on the side of the neighborhoods in the backyards. You have to take out a bunch of guys. Then you have to take out the sniper. But again, this has been broad daylight. And this is after you're like on the run from hunters and infected and everything you've been dealing with. Sure. You also hit a workbench to upgrade some weapons here. Nice. And <laughs> so you take out the sniper. However, in the in the show, they made the sniper a very elderly man. Which proved, which probably shows why he's not the best shot, probably because he doesn't have the best eyesight, like he had in his youth. But he's the only one who's like willing to live out there by yeah. himself. But then bringing empathy to characters, not wanting him to, he, like Joel doesn't want to immediately kill him. Yeah. In the game, he attacks you and you kill him. But then you I thought hit square, 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 yeah, square. Yeah, exactly. I thought <laughs> it was really clever though how they tied in the sniper scene from the game with this hunter scenario that they've created. Well, not hunters, but this rebellion led by Kathleen where the sniper is basically a scout for Kathleen to f- if they find anyone on the edge of the city that are trying to escape, probably looking for Henry, yeah. which he did find. He found the entire crew of them. And bringing in Kathleen and her rebellion into the sniper scenario was really interesting because in the game, you help them, you, you take out all the bad guys, and then... Hunters come and you take out the hunters. Then you cross the bridge. No, and then infected come. Oh, damn. And you have to snipe out a bunch of infected until you escape, which is really cool because then Joel with the sniper rifle was really similar to the game taking out a bunch of infected because then we had the crumbling earth, which doesn't, it's not like that. There's no bloater in the situation, mm-hmm. but we need to get they the bloater. They need to get one in, yeah. They need to get one in earlier because you get the bloater in Bill's town, yeah. which was so exciting in the game the first time you face one. But I love this sequence, how it was at night with the fire, and then that that ground caving in, the sinkhole. and You right, just heard them. You yeah, heard them first. The voices was incredible. <laughs> I was shocked how many came out of there. It was great. I thought it was going to be like a maybe five tops. I'm glad it was like it was like 40. Horror, man. Yeah. It was incredible. And we got bloaters, clickers, and runners. And just to, again, explain the differences between these types of infected in case you've never played the game or aren't super familiar, runners are like the most basic type of infected. They're the most human-looking, and they can see, obviously, and, and obviously they look more like just like zombies. And they sound human, too. Yeah. They just sound like people screaming. The it's cli- scary. The clickers, like Anthony's clicky, they are the next stage of infected. They've been infected longer, and their face is turning into that blossom fungi-infected yeah. face. They've lost their vision, but they can still hear the hair very well, and they have sonar kind of like a bat. That's why they're called clickers. So they can hear very well, but they can't see. And then the bloaters are infected who've been infected for a very long time, probably been trapped inside of like a room or something or in in one secluded area for years, and that's how they've grown so big because the infection has spread so much. So my question about the infected is, do they need to feed, or can they survive for long periods of time without feeding? They're, every every infected is kind of different. Some last a couple weeks, and some can last years, but they don't, without feeding, they don't yeah. necessarily need a food supply. I think it really just depends on the supply of whatever like the infected resource around them is, I'm guessing, because... Sometimes, like the bloaters, they're they're infected for so long, but they're usually in like basements or hidden yeah. and secluded. Just because, like away. in this in this episode, obviously they went through the tunnels and that under they saw that there used to be uh, some kind of underground community. There was that classroom, the children's classroom, and you can assume they didn't show up, but you can assume that probably in the next rooms were living quarters and some kind of makeshift kitchens or what have you. I think they just didn't need to. They didn't. They didn't. Production was like we can't afford to build everything, so. They just showed the classroom, but you can assume there was every kind of space needed for a community to live and thrive underground as well. So, but we also learned that the clickers and runners were run into underground by Fedra years ago. 
So it maybe if they took out that food supply of that underground community, that's fine for one meal. But so I'm guessing they probably haven't fed for years is my guess. And like you said, uh, whenever you encountered a bloater, they were often like underground in a basement, like secluded in an isolated place. Like there's not like a food supply. So what have they been eating for 20 years? So my guess about infected is do they need to feed to survive or can they just if can they just keep growing and the fungi keep spreading across them? Because essentially the fungi is the virus and fungi feeds on surfaces and on all sorts of things. It doesn't like need to eat, I guess. I don't know. Maybe they don't need to actually feed on other people. That's what I mean. I don't think yeah. they, they don't have to eat. It doesn't seem like they're eating people, but yeah. it, but they do bite to infect, and it seems like they do that on purpose. They're, they're that seems to, like a kind of like procreation spreading kind of they're just yeah, yeah, exactly. instinct. So I don't believe they need to feed. They're not like zombies that have to eat human flesh. It's okay. more of a spreading thing. And That's what it seems like, yeah. But, they, but like I said, it's explained. It's pretty vague in the game, this entire scenario and this whole conversation, but they don't necessarily need to eat flesh to survive okay so like i said like bloaters they'll be in a room for years and like when you go inside those rooms they were in after you kill them it's just florida wall ceilings of just the fungi will spread yeah everywhere so i think it's as long as it has a space to grow maybe in the right environment like it needs a cool damp place that's probably all it needs to grow yeah versus eating flesh because if you think about like fungus or or mushrooms they don't like feed on they don't feed on corpses or anything yeah they can grow on corpses obviously but I think they just need, like, the right environment to thrive. I think cool so, too. Place. Yeah, it makes sense. Because that, then it makes sense why they're all still alive. In the tunnels, yeah. yeah. They don't need to eat flesh. So that, that makes a lot of sense, especially when, since it's a fungi infection. So I like that. It's very cool. But they do bite to spread on purpose, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. As they've clearly shown. And this was an all-out assault. I, it was so incredible as soon as you saw, like, 20 dudes with in, t- dudes and gals with AK-47s and M16s. Unloading on them. They didn't stand a chance, and as soon as that bloater came out, no one stood a chance. And the way the bloater killed Perry, it's just like when a bloater catches you. <laughs> he puts his, they'll put his hands in your mouth and just tear your head off. Oh my god, it's it incredible! Crazy. Like from like the jawline, it rips your head off. Man, that's crazy, wild. That must have been. It's like a funny Easter egg that like the guy who voiced Tommy in the show got his head ripped off by a bloater. He probably the, loved in the, it. In the show, that's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. I love the 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 visuals of. The bloater. It was so incredible. It was so like it was just a little left less bloaty. I would say it was, it was less disgusting. Le- it was still pretty gross. Yeah, but because it was like, so dark. Yeah, if it was light, it, it, you'd see a lot more. But mm-hmm. I think they did a great job. The sounds, like the roar, was exactly the same, and the, like the impenetrable hide was spot on. I the CGI looked good too. Yeah, it looked, CGI looked yeah. good. I mean, you can clearly see they've been saving a lot of their animated budget and visual yeah. effects budget for this episode. Absolutely, and that horde for the vast majority of it was all practical. There was there was just a little CGI laced in here and there, but for the most part, that was all real people really acting out that entire stunt sequence, and everybody did a fantastic job. And I loved how Ellie was like trying to move through the chaos while Joel was sniping out every, everyone get, that got close to her. Those great. It was excellent, and it's Joel is starting to show that he cares for Ellie, that he wants to protect her. And there were a few instances in this episode where he really even expressed it, not in so many words, not so directly, but he told Henry like it's it's easier when you're a kid, and he says it's because no one's relying on you. So he he understands that Ellie relies on him, and he feels a responsibility to protect her very much so. And then they had this great moment where he wanted to take out the sniper. Um, and, le- and leave them for a few minutes and then she was like no you're not leaving us we gotta stay together and he's like do you trust me 
and she nodded and then she let him go. And so they are, their relationship is absolutely evolving and they're growing closer. And I'm really enjoying both actors playing off each other. The chemistry is fantastic. And I'm looking forward to seeing how they grow further in their relationship. Best shot in the whole episode was when Ellie's running in behind uh, Henry and Sam up the street. And Joel's trying to snipe out the trucks and the plow says run. And <laughs> Ellie, Bella Ramsey, she's running up the street behind her. Is a real truck taking out cars and she's firing back. There's like a two-second shot. It was my favorite of the episode. It was incredible. Yeah. The practical filmmaking is exceptional on this production. But to just go back a little bit, some more great references to the game. Uh, the empty skyscrapers kind of just moving around in, in the quiet, un, undetected in these skyscrapers that have just been... You know, empty. abandoned. Abandoned. That's the word I'm looking for. Sometimes they don't come to me. Those <laughs> words. The words. Sometimes I cannot think of them. The abandoned skyscrapers and offices and stuff like that. You do a lot of uh, looting and, and finding stuff in there and discovering things, as well as going underground the tunnels. As soon as they went underground the tunnels, I thought we'd get some clickers runners in there, but we did get instead was this kind of underground civilization, which was very accurate to the game. You stumble on a few of them in the video game when you're with Henry and Sam and Ellie, when you're going through these tunnels, but I believe it's in Philadelphia, not Kansas City. What? I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Not accurate. Or it might have been Pittsburgh. (laughs) I believe it's, yeah, it's one of those. And, (laughs) but the drawings and the paint, the paintings all over the wall of like, like the, the rainbows and fields and skies, suns. Playground, the, uh, the rules, the house rules. Ish being one of the protectors. Ish is a captain on a boat that, you find his abandoned boat on the shore, and his note he like lasted as long as he could out in the sea until he came in because he ran out of his supplies. Name's Ish? Yeah, his name was like Ish. Ishmael. Yeah, so oh, which is nice a, reference, sick uh, reference, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Moby Dick. So Ish was the character in the game. We're wicked smart. You just saw his remains eventually, but he was a captain on a ship, and it was he probably had a great situation. It's like all all shit's breaking loose. I'm gonna go out to sea for like a couple months. Runs out of supplies, comes back, hooks up with these people who are underground in these tunnels, and they try to live a life and create a little family and a home. And clearly they had kids, and there's toys everywhere, and kids are playing soccer, and you have soccer, a goal written with paint or drawn with paint on the wall, just like in the video game, except should have got a machete down there. <laughs> I'm sure they had some stuff. <laughs> I'm sure they had some stuff. No, you get. I believe you get... You get a you get a great melee. Oh, weapon. you should have got a machete. I think it's the first time you get a machete. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Is down there. I think I saw you get the machete. And you also get the uh, the really great pistol there. Didn't you not take the machete though? Because I had an altered pipe that was way more valuable and had way uh-huh. more kills than a machete. Okay, I see. I they see. had three kills. I really wanted you to take it, but you were like, "Fuck, you don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> I was trying to explain to you that the because when you have like a melee weapon, you can upgrade them with like tape and scissors, and it turns into a one shot, one kill. Which a machete is, but my upgraded pipe had like way more one shot one kills. Yeah, you hooked it up. It was more valuable. It's a great time, pipe, but it was a cool. Missed pipe. that pipe. <laughs> <laughs> it saved me some tight situations in that game. <laughs> so that was a great nod to the video game as well, and the production design down there was excellent. Yeah, I also think um, the old man in the house. He didn't have to die. He could have just put his gun down when Joel had the drop on him. But I think that the old man wa- wanted to die, mm-hmm. and that's why he lifted his gun up. I think that he knew he had no chance of of taking out Joel at that situation. But my guess, and I think the actor did, from what he performed in his face, from what I could read, it looked like he was like, oh, I just got to get out. Maybe he was missing them on purpose, too. Yeah, maybe, but I just think that 
it looked to me like he wanted to die, and that's why he raised his gun to go after Joel, because he was like, probably couldn't do it himself. He's like, here's an opportunity. I'm done. That's my guess. There were some really interesting scenes with Kathleen and Perry with her inside of her childhood home. And again, they've been added this narratively to the show versus the game of these people are local here. And what happens to a local community when this happens and they stick together and band together? Obviously, they're going to take sides. Some people are going to side with the government and rat the others out. But what happens when the other people get control? And it's, it's what would you do? Would you go back to your childhood home if you were in the same town or city? I probably would go check out my old childhood home and see what it was like. For 20 years later. Our childhood Our. home. Our. <laughs> we, we shared a room, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like uh, Mike and Kathleen shared a room, too. Yeah. So I'm guessing. Super close. Yeah, Mike sounds like a cool dude. It's too bad he died. So, yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> love the infected horde attack. I loved Ellie knifing clickers in the neck. That's really relevant. Yeah, I saw you do that a bunch in the yeah, game. That, that's just yeah. like in the game as well. Raiders 10 at movieposters.com. You get 10% off their entire website on your entire order. And they have a wide collection of posters for film, TV. They got backdrops, all kinds of sizes and framing. They've been sending us posters and been a sponsor of the show for like two years now. A long time. And we long love them over time. there. It's <laughs> <laughs> They're based in Canada. It's a great company, great customer service. So head to movieposters.com. Use our code Raiders10. You get 10% off your entire order today for movie posters. I really like the bonding and relationship development between Sam and Ellie, which is accurate to the game. You know, when Henry says, I haven't heard that in a while after he hears Sam laugh for the first time and who knows how long it's been. That's a line directly from the game, so I really like that and enjoyed their connection together. Another great reference was the comic book where one of the collectibles that you're constantly getting in the game as Joel is you're finding these comic books that you're collecting for Ellie to give to her. So it was really cool to see that same comic book Aww, in the show. Oh, so cute. But I really loved the scared talk. You know, this happens in the game. And Sam is asking Ellie, are you ever scared? Because Ellie seems to never be scared. She's always very confident and and always and in jokes control. Her. And yeah, and just practice cracking jokes but you know this is where ellie it confesses to her to him i'm always scared of scorpions but i'm always scared i'm always angry and i'm sc- <laughs> <laughs> that's my secret <laughs> I'm, o- I'm always angry <laughs> you did like a batman voice yeah i know i don't know why i did bruce banner as batman that's my that's my secret captain cap I'm always, I'm always angry. You gotta do like a, he has like kind of I'm a nasally voice like I'm you. always angry. Ruffalo has a bit of a nasally a voice. A bit of a nasally voice. I'm always angry. But Ellie says, I'm, oh, I'm scared all the time, but most importantly, I'm afraid of ending up alone. And then Sam, just like in the game, asks Ellie basically, if you become infected, are you still human? Are you trapped inside that infected body? Are you stuck inside there? Are you still yourself? And Ellie explains, basically has to, explains to him that, no, you, that person's gone. It's no longer a, a, a living human being. It's just an infected person. That person's gone in the past. And basically the rest of the episode plays out exactly in the game, except for Ellie falling asleep in the bedroom with Sam, which I was a little perplexed by because as a 
a person who's trying to survive. I understand you want to keep Sam at ease, but sleeping in the same bed next to somebody who's infected doesn't make a lot of sense. Although she probably thought that maybe the blood hoping, hoping that I can save Sam. I care about him so much already. I think I, I cured him with my blood. Does does she spread the blood on his wound in the game? No. What happens is he just Henry tells Sam to go to bed because he's tired. Then the rest of them sleep in the kitchen, uh-huh. and then. Uh, Henry wakes up and he's making breakfast for everybody and wakes Ellie up and then he's like, go wake up uh, Sam if you want, if you want him to come in here. And so she goes and opens the door and then Sam, same shot of him facing like a window yeah. back to Ellie, <laughs> attacks Ellie. Uh-huh. But then it plays out exactly like the game. I was surprised they kept it like this. I thought they would change it up a little bit because it's difficult to have a suicide in a show for sure, uh, especially a gun suicide. But they kept, they stayed true to the narrative of the game here where it was kind of a shot for shot where... Mm-hmm. Ellie is attacked by Sam, who's now infected, and Joel goes for a gun, but Henry stops him and threatens him with his gun and, and fires at him so that he doesn't move. And Sam, I mean, and then Ellie, I mean, I'm sorry, and then Henry. You're doing great. Henry eventually has no choice, understands the situation, shoots Sam, kills him, and then shoots himself after threatening Joel with the gun. But in the game, he says, this is all your fault, and then he kills himself. But then I, I was surprised they kept this exactly like in the game, but I was really mm-hmm. satisfied because I think it's such an important scene to keep intact narratively. Yeah, it was really heart-wrenching. It was really tragic, and I did not see it coming. I thought like we were going to get Sam and, and Henry hanging out with them for at least a couple of episodes. I had a feeling they would die, but I didn't think it would die. they would die in this episode. So that was really surprising, and really really tragic i was i was like oh my god that was so horrible you oh never saw me do this part but i was playing with my headphones on and I remember i was playing once and yeah. i screamed out loud and you're like did you die i'm like something crazy just happened you're like oh my god something horrible happened <laughs> <laughs> it was tragic man it's the saddest part of the game that of playing and it was such a shocker i couldn't believe what happened and i mean putting yourself in henry's shoes it's it's probably the hardest thing to deal with that you could deal with and obviously you can't imagine the feelings he's had where well his whole identity for the last 10 years has been protecting him exactly and he he doesn't he didn't protect him and he he let his his brother get infected and die and he had to kill him and there's no point of him sorry in the video game it's like it's more explained like how my whole purpose in life is to protect my brother yeah i i I figured i would have liked to hear some dialogue like that in the episode but i could i got that gist of it and other than that, though, but they did a great job, and it was really, really sad. Digging the graves was not in the game, but I thought that was really a nice great touch. touch. Yeah. Although my one con to this episode is, I, it's obviously a, a show, and everyone has to look pretty great, even if they're not in great Joel's situations. Joel's clothes were too clean. Everyone's too. Yeah. Everyone needs to be a little more disheveled. Yeah. Henry and Sam in the game are like a mess. They've been hiding out for weeks in these apartments. Yes, yeah, so they have li- They're they're lined up. You know they've. Their they, hair they looks got great. Fresh, they got a good haircut. They great. They, I mean, Sam been, had a fade. They were in the I attic. noticed that too. Yeah, they were in the attic for 10. It was yeah. like a 10 day cut. And I'm like, yeah. he's got the same facial hair. I mean, yeah. I get it. You got to work with what you got in terms of shooting, shooting. times. Yeah. And you got to have consistency I will, in yeah. shooting different yeah. scenes here and yeah. there. So I understand from a production standpoint. I will say their hair threw me off too. They It was too clean. I Everyone's too clean in yeah. this game. <laughs> but then and then what, what I thought was too clean was Joel's outfit at the burial scene was too clean. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it looked like it was just a, it, not that it, I, I'm not i don't want it to be dirty but it doesn't look like it's lived in the some of the clothes that he's wearing it is what it is yeah. you know That's all, just, I, so yeah. i agree i agree but i mean a little bit here and it there. is what it is yeah. and also that was a one little other little little. Crit- so you hated the little you critique. hate the show love the show you hate this the show one of my favorite episodes so far want to hear a fun fact that i learned about uh <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> let me get my critique out it was 
a very bright night. The moonlight. Was, oh yeah, the moonlight was very bright. There was a lot. Of, there was a lot of light. You could tell it was just like a giant light. I agree. I, I was like looking. I'm like, where's this light coming yeah, from? Yeah, I think they went a little overboard with the lighting of the nighttime cinematography. Mm-hmm. And even when Ellie said, someone said, why aren't we using our flashlights? And I was like, because you don't, you need, don't them. need them. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need a flashlight? They wouldn't even show anything. It's you already lit up. Need to put on some fucking sunglasses. That's what you need. That's what you need. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. It was way too bright uh, for moonlight. You, they could. I, it's, I, it's a lot. It's, it is yeah. what it is. It's a show. I'm, su- I'm surprised that they let it. I'm surprised they let it be that bright, even in the post-production of the color correcting. I think it's, you know, it's a very the big budget grading. show. It is what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, I, Game also, of Thrones, yeah. there's, they're lit up by torches, but it's always really nice. Well, no, Game of Thrones, like, they show okay, plenty. Yeah, There's yeah, very, yeah. very minimal it's lighting. Show. It's very minimal. They are actually pretty accurate with mostly mostly just doing a little bit of fill, but allowing the the fires to really, in a lot of ways, light up scenes. House of Dragon, they did a great job. So, yeah, don't even, so com- don't even compare the Sorry. lighting. Don't even think about it. Season one, Game of Thrones. But that was just like my one production. No, comment. yeah, I, I thought the same thing. Is I'm yeah. like, this is it's this very is bright, way too bright. But I get a lot of TV shows yeah. do it. I understand they want everything to be seen. They don't want the audience to miss anything. I totally understand it. General audience, I, I thought yeah. the same thing. I did. I was like, when when they said this, the flashlight loud, I was like, you don't need no fucking flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> For what? <laughs> Put on some sunscreen. That you're gonna get a sunburn from the moon, bro. <laughs> you're gonna get a moon burn. But I was gonna say the wardrobe thing reminded me. I just read this thing about Banshees of Inisherin, and if you've seen the film, sweaters. Everybody's wearing these really great sweaters in Banshees of Inisherin, and there's this act. They actually hired this this woman who lives in Ireland who knits sweaters to actually knit the sweaters for all the cast members. And she made them all like custom based upon the personalities of the characters, and and she she hand stitched everything in that movie, and she still uh, Brendan Gleeson has paid her to keep making him sweaters. Does she have an Etsy? She, she probably does. <laughs> she probably does. <laughs> but for like for like uh, Colin Farrell's sweater, like they got the the remember you know, remember that sweater with the collar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really fantastic. I've never seen a sweater like it, but it was like it's like a very traditional classical kind of sweater they would wear out there at that time period especially and so they got it and it was too clean looking so they they beat it with stones they got it super wet a bunch of times they they singed the the edges of some of the pieces like the the sleeves and stuff and put a little holes here and there but they made it feel worn out and lived in and that's something I'm, I'm always looking at wardrobe with a keen eye and i would say that there's a couple of outfits in this episode that it was pretty noticeable how clean and, yeah. and put together it's it was. A new sh- it's a new yeah. outfit that they just put through some dirt on. You yeah. can tell. It is what it is. It is yeah. what it is. But, you know, big studios. It's not their- a big deal. Yeah. But I'm just, yeah. I mean, this we're just, we're, we hate it. <laughs> what we do is we analyze shows yeah, and we movies. Analyze. Yeah. But other than that, there's two little production things for me. Other than that, it was an excellent episode. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And it was great action. Fantastic character development, and then a heartbreaking conclusion, man. And I saw the teaser, and I can't wait to go to Wyoming. We're going to meet Tommy again. I love how there's going to be some snow, a change of weather. Um, I, I love how we're constantly, every episode is like in a different city. So it's just, it's just like it's, the game. It's moving along yeah. really quickly. They're doing an excellent job. And also a few other differences compared to the game, in case you're curious. Henry is a capable killer and survivor versus never having really killed a person besides when he ratted out Michael oh. versus them making him 
not a killer in this episode. I was going to say, it was, it was odd that someone who's lived in this world for so long has never fired a gun. Yeah, well, it seems like Kansas City was under some side of some sort of power control. Martial, martial law. So for... that they had, like I said, even though, same thing with Ellie, like she's grown up in some sort yeah, of safety. Yeah, you're right. That makes sense. But yeah. Henry is in the game as a survivor and killer. He's just like Joel. Okay, gotcha. They're, they're actually, they're great opposites, you know. They're a, a mirror. A brother, a they're brother, mirrors. A brother, 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 then kind of a father-daughter dynamic here yeah. with these characters. And uh, yeah, they, they kind of represent each other. And yeah, a, a protector and a, and a dependent. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Mandalorian and Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Last of Us. Is, no, the, the Mandal- You're right. Mandalorian is the Last of Us, except with better tech. <laughs> I realized that after I played the game and I saw the new Mandalorian poster, like it happened around the same time yeah. for season three. And I'm like, holy shit. Not only they both, they both played by Pedro Pascal, but Joel and, and Mando, Gunslingers. they're literally the same because they both got guns strapped to their backs, a whole arsenal on them. They're it, stoic. And they're, yeah. they got like a kid that they're trying to protect and bring somewhere. Yeah. They're weathered with a past. They're and, quested yeah. with a child. Yeah. I'm like, it's the same fucking character, right. except space and tech is different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they actually are quite similar. That's so funny. <laughs> they say the same amount of dialogue, too. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Yeah, they actually, they are quite, they are quite similar. Jindar Jen and Joel are, are very similar. <laughs> also, so not to say that Pedro Pascal doesn't have crazy amounts of range as an actor. Oh, he's terrific. Yeah. He's a really terrific actor. This episode is one of the highest rated of the season so far on IMDb. It's a 9.5, but that's only with 1,300 ratings on IMDb. And I'm sure that'll probably stay consistent right there in the high, in the mid to high nines. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it was nine, really nine great episode. I think just, I mean, the action sequence was just a stellar part of the entire season so far. It's one of my favorite five minutes of the show overall the show is a 9.2 rating with 180,000 ratings and almost all of them are at a 10 but then and the rest are ones <laughs> <laughs> the, the fucking world the we live review in, bombing everything's fucking real. yeah world. it's actually it's a one or a 10 it's it's basically that's oh how God, everything that's is crazy it's it's how everything is with the major with major content ips well, I was, yeah, I was looking into um, the next game I'm going to play, and I decided on Red Dead Redemption after Hogwarts after I finished Hogwarts Legacy, and I was looking into Red Dead Redemption 2, and I was looking at reviews on Metacritic, and apparently PC users hate the game, and so they all review-bombed Red Dead Redemption 2 with zeros on Metacritic. Now, Metacritic is out of 100, remind you, and they all, like, all these all these angry gamers were, like, putting zero, zero ratings on the Metacritic score for Red Dead 2, because they just didn't like it that much, and they just became a. Th- and they, I looked through it, and there were hundreds of them, hundreds of them. Like, how do you give a game a, z- a zero? How do you give it a zero? Come on, that's pretty wild. It's insane. It's nothing zero. Like, do you have nothing better to do with your time? Nothing's a one out of a hundred. Nothing's a one. Come on, unbelievable. Like, it's just the same kind of thing where like there's just hatred, and people just like are it's so. A people are so both angry. Sides. It goes both ways. Yeah. Ten versus one. Yeah. Review bombing. People wars. can be so angry that they'll just like you'll supersede any kind of logic and just say this is a zero out of ten. But also, you have to be the kind of person that goes and like leaves a re- angry review like yeah. that. Unre- unbe- I couldn't believe it. Then I then I learned. I learned. I saw so many zeros. I'm like, man, is this game like not as good <laughs> as everyone says? And then I ran into it and looked it up, and I was like, oh no, it's just pe- people bu- review bombed it because they're unhappy with that. They is don't like, like the that gameplay. Com- they don't like the company. They don't like the company. Yeah, something like that. Weird. Anyways, people uh, need to do better things with their time, I guess. You got anything else on Last of Us Episode 5, Endure and Survive? I loved it, and I can't wait for Episode 6. I can't wait to get Tommy back in there. 
And it looks like there's going to be some really interesting character and emotional dynamics happening for the future of the season. I don't expect another major action sequence until probably the last two episodes of the show. So it looks like it's going to be a lot of great character development for the next few episodes. Yeah, and going forward, this teaser trailer for the next episode, it looks like what they're doing with this episode as well, kind of fusing in different chapters of the game into one with like tying in Wyoming with Tommy in the video game uh-huh. with like this um snow town which are different in the game but yeah. it looks like they combine them for this makes sense and it looks awesome yeah and i can't wait but it seems like you know i'm a little disappointed that the whole first season is just going to be the first game that's what it feels like you think that it's going to end i think this? it will because really? we're five episodes in and it feels like three episodes the the first game will be over in terms of the storyline i wonder why i thought they would str- I, I you could stretch it out for three seasons of yeah. tv and it would be awesome really you really could maybe they will but maybe they're just maybe well maybe they wrote maybe they have a whole new narrative structure going forward well i think season 2 will be last of us part 2 the game i see i highly doubt that hbo max would want less than four or five seasons out of this show. Well, I mean, maybe they'll go forward with their own story, like kind of like what they did with Dexter. Uh-huh. Dexter season one is based off Darkly Dreaming. That's Dexter what I'm saying. Book. I'm saying they're, I, I'm guessing they might be creating their own narrative going forward that doesn't totally match. I think that'll be after season two. Okay. But I, I doubt that they just, I doubt HBO Max and Warner Brothers want this to be two seasons. Yeah, I actually, I'm pretty sure I've read that. It'll be, season two will be Last of Us Part Two storyline. Really? Which I'm kind of shocked by, but I'm telling you, you could make three I mean, seasons out yeah. of part one. I watched you play, I mean, I didn't, I watched you play bits and pieces here and there, but I would say I watched you play for about an hour of playing time in various parts of the weeks that you were playing. So it was like only for like 10 minutes here or five minutes there. And from what I saw in just those little tiny increments, there were a lot of great moments for potential sequences of story, narrative, and great action. So I'm actually... Very surprised that they only want to do one season for the game one. Because that would be my overall for the entire season so far. If I had a con, it's moving too fast. Yeah, it's moving too fast for me uh-huh. in terms of everything that happens in the game. Because, like I'm telling you, anyone who's played the game listening, you understand too. You can make the whole first season of just part the first like 10 hours of getting out of the east coast yeah Yeah. you're getting out of the cities and you could add so much you could add new things to that storyline so yeah yeah, i wonder if they'll even go to the university it seems like that's gonna get i'm shocked that they're gonna go one season i'm shocked me too but we'll maybe yeah we'll see but uh yeah that's my one con overall for this show Uh is i wish there was more from the game in terms of the story because what how long was the game narrative like 40 hours. I mean, it depends on how long it takes you to play. You can yeah. do it real fast in like 15 hours. But I probably took, I don't know, like 20, 25 hours to beat that game because mm-hmm. I do a lot of, I'm scared a lot when I play that game. I see you. You play, you're very, you're, you're, it's, <laughs> it's a scary game, man. You're like, you just like, you're always like, is there something around that corner? Is there something around that corner? If I played it over again, I'd cruise through that fucking thing, dude. <laughs> I would cruise. I got so good at it. But, um, <laughs> you're so reluctant to keep it's moving. In- it's intense. You were, you, you it's so funny. You're, you're always like, okay, okay, here we go. Here's one more doorway. I gotta be nice and stealthy. <laughs> Hardly ever anything there. Anyways, <laughs> that wraps episode five, review, endure, and survive of The Last of Us. Thanks for tuning in on this Saturday special because, again, we premiered last night on Friday because of the Super Bowl. We'll be doing movie news tomorrow as normally scheduled, talking about all the latest developments in film and TV over the last week. And then also Monday, we're going to do an episode on Oppenheimer, we're going to do everything we know about Christopher Nolan's next film. Cannot wait. It was such a great discussion. We'll also do 
on Tuesday a reaction to the Flash trailer as well as talk about the Super Bowl because the Flash is the big trailer that's dropping during the Super Bowl. There's a bunch, but that's the most important. They've released a few already online. This is one they're saving for the TV premiere. I yeah, think. we already saw Fast X. Yeah, and we're not gonna family family times ten. <laughs> And then we have, obviously, weekly chat on Wednesday and Thursday. Then a review on Heat. Heat. Michael Mann's 1995 classic. And then uh, my review of Assassin's Creed Valhalla will come out on Saturday. So thanks so much. We got so much planned for you this week. Take care. Have a wonderful time this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl if you're tuning in. If not, we'll see you on Monday for Oppenheimer. And movie news tomorrow. See you next time. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, and Chandler Johnson. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.